the pre-medical pathway as an underrepresented minority. So before we dive right in, why don't you start by introducing yourself and what are you drinking today? Okay, yes, of course. Thank you, Amy, for having me. Um, so Yesenia Buendrosa Ramirez. Um, I am a recent Fresno State grad, uh, majored in kinesiology uh, and um, <laughs> minor in dance studies. Um, and yeah, I'm pursuing a career in medicine. So medical school, here I come hopefully in a couple of years. Uh, and I am drinking water <laughs> out of my little company. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We love to be hydrated. So let's just dive right in. So one of the first questions I want to ask is how has your medical pathway journey been specifically as uh, an underrepresented minority? So yeah, my pathway so far <laughs> has not been, I guess, easy. So right, I am first gen, so my parents didn't go to college. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it was it was difficult to figure out even how to get into like college and then navigate college and then mm -hmm. you know having to mm -hmm. work part-time as well um yeah so it was, it was definitely it's been hard uh and so now pursuing a career in medicine it's like okay <laughs> like who do i like talk to who do i you know ask right. for advice so it's definitely been a struggle um you also i feel lose your you lose faith in yourself at some point right because you see mm -hmm. that a lot of the mm -hmm the doctors that you see and the, you know, physicians there, they don't look like you. They're not, you know, like you, maybe they don't speak your language. So, you know, you become discouraged. Right. So it's definitely, it's been a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, so how would you, well, being in the place that you are now, how did you navigate through that? Like, how did you push yourself and in a way that, yes, there aren't more people like me, but I still want to pursue this and you know what what were some of the steps that you took okay so this is a great question <laughs> um so at the point I am now obviously I stand here um uh like very much confident that I will you know mm -hmm. reach my goal and the way I got to this point um was through finding a good solid group of individuals of students like me, non-traditional, you know, first generation, um, who also wanted to pursue medicine. Um, they were mm -hmm. just on the same boat as me, right? So I think that that was the first step. Um, I met them, a lot of my friends, um, through HCC, mm -hmm. Health Career Connections, <laughs> which uh, was <laughs> an internship I did over the summer. Mm -hmm. I also joined in on programs like Mi Mentor, um, which is, you know, was founded by physicians uh, that are Latino and Latinas. So, you know, they built this safe space where we were able to communicate mm -hmm. with um, one another. So that was great. And then I also, you know, continue to apply to internships. Um, I'm wearing this MedPep shirt. So it's Medicos and Medicentistas <laughs> para el Pueblo. Um, and so, you know, this is another uh, group of individuals that are all like me. They are all mm -hmm. from underrepresented communities. They all suffered in some way or another, you know, um, mm -hmm. saw their communities suffer, but then wanted to be the change and pursue a career mm -hmm. in health and help better the health of, mm -hmm. of all their communities. So those are some ways mm -hmm. that I've, you know, I've taken action to overcome <laughs> certain barriers and here mm -hmm. I am. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that you need that kind of support system as well, because um, like going to school uh, at San Jose State, like we had diversity, but when you started looking at, 
internships or even full-time jobs um when you look at companies career page or their culture they all talk about diversity and inclusion like we want everyone to apply but when you look at their leadership team i mean all all if not you know 90 percent of them those companies their leadership team are caucasian males very mm -hmm. few companies have people of color or even women on their leadership team and it's just Mm -hmm. It's really hard to navigate through that as well, you know, kind of similar in your medical pathway. You honestly don't see a lot of people with your background, with, you know, the same ethnicity as you. And you definitely do get discouraged because I know I definitely felt the same way. And I was thinking, like, oh, am I even making the right choice? Like, am I sure I want to go into tech, go into business? Um, it's just so male dominated. And it's honestly really seems like it's like one race dominated as well like all you see like all these engineers product managers that I've encountered are all white males and I'm like yo like this does not represent what you're actually saying in your career page and mm -hmm. and and everything else so I think one of the questions that um I want to ask is what are some of the obstacles that you encountered going through your pathway and did you ever have any doubts about your medical journey? Yeah, so definitely had my doubts. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I, I have no shame in admitting, like when I first started college at Fresno State, um, I decided to try nursing. I felt like it was a little mm -hmm. easier. I felt like, okay, this is doable. Like, I'll just be a nurse. And um, not to say that nurses' jobs aren't important, because oh my goodness, <laughs> nurses are everything. Yeah, but, you know. Um, right. And, uh, but like, it just seemed more feasible at the time. Um, but no, and then like, you know, I took one trip to visit my cousin in uh, San Francisco. She was currently in a mm -hmm. post back um, for her to like spark that interest back in me. And she was like, why are you settling for something that you didn't want when you were, you know, younger? Like you, you always said mm -hmm. you wanted to be a doctor. So why are you, why are you changing that now? And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think that, <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, well, I don't know anybody. Like, I feel scared. Like, who am I going to ask for help? And, <laughs> <Right>. you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it was just a lot of that self-doubt, um, definitely. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, it came that day where she was like, nope, you're going to, you're going to become a doctor. And that's that. And I was like, okay, you have faith in me. And, you know, it took that <laughs> one conversation over, over brunch that I was like, okay, I can do this. You're right. I don't know why I second mm -hmm. guess myself. And so, you know, that set me off to start looking into more internships, more opportunities, more, you know, connections with other pre-med students. And sure enough, you know, I found my people. <laughs> I found my, you know, mm -hmm. um, if I can give a shout out to Liz, Alyssa, <laughs> you know, uh, they, they definitely um, continue to inspire me and all of the Mimentor board and, uh, my HCC family, like these are all the people that I hold so dear because because of them, I believe in myself more. And so really, I think that that's one of the biggest struggles and obstacles I face is, mm -hmm. is doubting myself, is wanting to mm -hmm. say, no, I can't do it, <laughs> but mm -hmm. we can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think a lot of times it's hard for us to be our own cheerleaders. Like it's, we always cheer for our other friends. Like I think if my friend was doubting herself, like, oh, I don't know if I want to go into the medical field, I'm like, oh, yeah, you can do it. Like, if this person with this background, et cetera, can do this, what makes you think that you can't? You know, like, you're smart, you're a strong, independent woman, and you can tackle everything. But I think 
when we doubt ourselves, it's so much harder to be our own cheerleader. Like, even if me and my friend have the same qualifications, I'm like, you can totally do this. But when I look in the mirror, I'm like, I don't know if I actually can do that. Like, I don't know if I fit all the requirements for this position or this internship. And I think, like, having that conversation with ourselves is really important, too, because we need to be our own cheerleaders. And I don't think we talk about that enough. Like, we talk about all the other people around us. Like, they can do everything. But when it comes to ourselves, we're just so engulfed in you know trying to check mark each box and each requirement and not thinking about that no one ever checks every single box no one checks every single requirement but um i think it's also really important to talk about that for women i mean i mean a lot of studies have showed that they are more reluctant to apply for a position if they don't fit every single requirement compared to men like if they fit one requirement out of like 70 they'll apply and I think that's also kind of like drills down deep to various careers. And I think that's, um, I don't want to say prominent, but sometimes it can be like a common theme um, in the medical field too. Like, have you noticed that within your internships, the organizations you're a part of that, you know, sometimes you're a little hesitant to go for a promotion or anything like that? Or is your organization pretty diverse in that? you know, male to female ratio. Yeah, so I think I have to just say you make a great point about how I think women tend to, more so than men, like nitpick at little things in ourselves that make us second guess ourselves and be like, Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. And I just think that that's the culture that has developed over the years, right? That we have to be very judgmental of ourselves and make ourselves um, kind of seem to be like what society wants us to be, right? So it's like, it is horrible, but, you know, um, hopefully moving forward is something that that isn't the case anymore. Um, So to answer your Mm -hmm. question, though, I have personally have had great experiences with all the organizations and internships and placements I've been uh, put in because all of the, the women that I work with and my colleagues, my classmates, my friends, they all are very strong-willed women. They do not mm-hmm. conform to the, a woman belongs in the kitchen, a woman belongs, like, you know, or the, you don't belong in a leadership position because you're a woman. No, like, they they take that opportunity no matter what. Even if they don't meet all mm-hmm. of those checkboxes that you mentioned, you know, we're mm-hmm. going for it. Because although we don't meet all of the requirements, like, all of the requirements that they're asking for, we know that we bring something to the table. And I'm so right. proud of my friends and of myself, truly, that at this point, I can stand here and be like, I know that I have a chance and I am as good as any mm-hmm. other applicant or, you know, and my story matters, you know. So I think that it's been a journey to get to this point, but I'm here and I I can only continue to encourage, you know, others right. to, to feel the same way. <laughs> I love that. You know, I'm taking your advice, like, Every time I apply for a job, I'm going to be like, this is what Yesenia told me during our meeting. And I don't care if I don't, you know, checkmark all the boxes. Because you're right, like, every single individual has a story to tell. And no one fits into the box that society is putting us in. And I just love that. I, I thank you and your friends for kind of inspiring me into that respect of, like, I'm not going to doubt myself anymore. And... So speaking more into the, you know, being an underrepresented minority, um, why do you think there's such a lack of diversity and there's the lack of um, minorities in the medical field in, um, in 
like specifically represented minorities and have you faced that firsthand? Yeah, so why I think that there's a lack of, you know, underrepresented minorities in medicine is because we don't uh, grow up necessarily with the resources or the guidance you know, as our white counterparts, <laughs> um, you know, mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, there were a couple of individuals that I met in certain internships that, and this is, <laughs> I don't know how to say this without sounding, with it, without it sounding kind of bad, but like, they were like, oh yeah, you know, um, have you had clinical experience, um, like studied abroad or, you know, um, mm -hmm. Because they they uh, there's programs that you have to pay for. It's like three thousand, four thousand dollars to go to wow. uh, Peru or Panama to provide hands-on care as a student, mind you, um, with doctors and physicians out there. Mm -hmm. I don't have that kind of money, right? So a lot of us that come from underrepresented communities don't have that kind of money. We work right. to make ends meet. So you know, I think that that has been. I have seen those situations firsthand, and and you know, me having to tell these these students, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm really happy for you that you had this experience, but now every time I work, I, it's, it's working to pay my bills. It's working to eat. Like, right. you know, it's not, right. it's extra money or my parents don't have that money to send me to go mm -hmm. do these amazing mm -hmm. opportunities. So, you know, we find ways to make that work. Uh, we create our own opportunities. We go seek them out in areas that are close enough that we can actually, mm -hmm. you know, uh, participate in. So I think that, yeah, that, that's what causes the doubt in us. That's what, you know, um, causes that gap because we don't have certain resources we don't have somebody to guide us um you know i don't have any doctors in my family i know a lot of my friends don't have right. any doctors in their family or mm -hmm. even nurses mm -hmm. or anything that is in the medical field right so you know that makes it difficult um so yeah i think that that's why really we we don't have the the resources um as underrepresented minorities sometimes mm -hmm. Uh, so speaking of resources, what do you think that um, organizations, hospitals, you know, um, various companies, and as community members, what can we do to bring out more resources for underrepresented minorities and bring out more opportunities? Um, yeah, so <clears throat> I think that <laughs> this is kind of a tough question. Um, I think that by providing support if you're able to financially supporting, you know, mm -hmm. organizations that create events that create a safe space for students like myself to join in, like mm -hmm. highly recommend if you to all the members listening that you know have that ching in their pocket, <laughs> like to <laughs> donate to to me mentor, um, you know, because me mentor builds so many opportunities, um, and I've had great experiences with every event. Now that I'm on like uh, the leadership side of things a little bit as an ambassador like mm -hmm. it, it has helped me grow so much so you know donating financially to organizations like such or MedPEP who helps also undocumented students get scholarships to continue their education which I think is amazing you know um, that's what community members that's what health professionals can do um, also though I think that what we need is mentorship so for those mm -hmm. physicians those Latinos uh, Latinas that made it um, or providers, PAs, to open up your arms and let us, mm -hmm. us students shadow you, <laughs> let us, you know, <laughs> become your mentee, you know, guide us, mm -hmm. um, which is what we really need. So I think that those are important things that can be done. Mm -hmm. um, so what advice would you give someone who's, you know, they're in college, they're thinking about eventually pursuing medical school and 
they're a little lost. They don't really know if it's the right decision or, um, you know, if they're doing it right or if, you know, they're having those self-doubts. What advice would you give um, these underrepresented um, populations? Um, definitely create your own path. It's going to seem crazy and maybe it seems like it's not happening the right, quote unquote, right way. Um, mm-hmm. That's how I felt. <laughs> but I think that mm-hmm. I've come to realize that you create your own path. Um, and that's what matters. You just, as long as you're doing everything because it makes you truly happy and you're passionate about it, then I could say you're on the right path, right? Um, I think that the best advice is to not do things just because it'll check a box. Um, you know, medical schools require a lot, but if you're going to go out of your way to be in a lab that you hate, trying to get that research experience and you hate it, mm-hmm. when they ask you mm-hmm. about it in the interview, what are you going to say? <laughs> uh, yeah, I sat there and observed whatever. I dropped pipette stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, what are you going to say? Like, you hated your life for those however many, you know, <laughs> hours you did that for. <laughs> so I think that commit to doing activities that are maybe health related or maybe not health related, but as long as they're um, impacting the community in a positive way, as long as you enjoy them, I think that medicine is, it, it can be for anyone and everyone that has that passion and calling towards it. So um, mm-hmm. there's no right path. You will make your own path. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so speaking on to the um, organizations and internships you were a part of, uh, can you speak to a few of them? and? Uh, what was your favorite part in each position that you held? Yeah, so I think um, the most recent was Health Career Connections. So that one was great because I did it for two years in a row, two summers in a row. Um, both times I was placed at a nonprofit in Fresno. So it was amazing work because we were providing resources to the underserved communities, you know, that fell below poverty lines. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of them Spanish speaking only. So um, in particular, one of my favorite roles was being a part of the health and wellness department at Centro La Familia, um, in which I was able to help coordinate certain support groups for the communities um, mm-hmm. that, you know, didn't really have many resources out there. Um, I guess the quote unquote, not so good parts of town <laughs> and, um, you know, provide the safe <laughs> space for for. Um, Latinas, Latinos, Mexican, Americans, Mexicans, we speak about mental health issues, right? Because I don't know if you're aware, but like Mm -hmm. a lot of Mexicans do not like to talk about mental health. They choose to ignore it. They don't consider it a real issue. (laughs) So, you Mm -hmm. know, um, I feel the same. Yeah. So building a safe space where we can openly talk about these things um, was great. So that has been one of my favorite um, experiences so far in terms of internships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I honestly love that you brought up uh, mental health because I feel like um, every time that I've gone to the doctor or friends have gone to the doctor, um, just, you know, general physicians, family physicians don't really bring up mental health at all. And I feel like um, in the U.S. specifically, there's kind of like a separation between medicine and you know mental health care and I wanted to see what your thoughts on that and why do you think there's such a divide and also such a lack of conversation when it comes to like doctor visits like I 
understand, you know, doctors have a limited amount of time to talk to patients um, regarding, uh, you know, checkups, clinicals, whatever it is. But I every time that I visit a doctor, like my doctor does not ask about my mental health and rather do nurses. And I just kind of wish there was a lot like more bridges between that to where it was it wasn't that you know mental health is like this own separate type of medicine but it was like just as important I mean it is just as important as physical health but it was treated that way by people in the medical field yeah no I um this conversation would probably go on forever because I'm so passionate about mental health (laughs) and how it needs to be addressed um I definitely see your point that I think primary care physicians don't, I mean, because at the end of the day, they they aren't psychiatrists, they aren't, you know, psychologists, they're, I guess their yeah. job isn't to necessarily sit there and, and you know, try to figure out your life and, and, and try to solve your issues like that. But I do feel like you feel that they should put some emphasis on it so that they can connect with you on that level yeah. and then provide you to the right resources. But honestly... Uh, yeah, the U.S. I feel specifically is just lacking and lagging behind in terms of how to deal with mental health. Um, personal experience, like somebody that I knew needed, you know, um, to be referred to a, a psychologist, at least they were having certain thoughts. They were obviously very depressed. Right. And apparently mm-hmm. the time out from like where they made that phone call to initiate a connection to a psychologist or psychiatrist, it would take two to three months to get seen mind you like this person is is having mm-hmm. suicidal thoughts so you need them to basically try to commit suicide get sent to the emergency room to then finally see them it's like that is crazy to me right yes. so like i feel like the approach is not mm-hmm. right because you don't see people seeking help until they've attempted suicide they are overdosing on drugs they are mm-hmm. they have other issues right that um are parents so it's like we need to have more open conversations um and that's something that i hope to Mm -hmm. be able to be a part of the change and and once i am you know closer to becoming Mm -hmm. a doctor (laughs) than at this point like as a medical student you know starting some type of reform (laughs) um as a physician like you know making that very much a apparent that it's an issue that needs to be addressed so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i i'm definitely excited at you know some of the new techniques or even conversations that people like our generation your generation of medical students are going to be having because now I think also because of COVID people are taking a little bit more time about on their cells and talking about self-care and then mental health is also thrown in the mix so I really hope that this is kind of changing that mindset and that stigma around mental health like oh no you know keep that to yourself you don't want other people to know what you're really going through but um also kind of want to touch up on the fact how you said that um one there's a lack of time or there's like a big disparity of time between um you know trying to get help and actually getting that help so you know people would rather see someone actually getting mid to hospital than actually administering or referring them to the right doctor or physician and I was actually listening to this podcast about like the U.S. um, healthcare system and the healthcare system is really focused on not non-preventative care so that's why we have like so many specialists we have cardiologists like 
dietitians and you know people specializing in diabetes and everything but there's very little emphasis on preventative measure measures which is why like a lot of just family and general physicians are paid obviously much less than let's say you know an oncologist which does make sense because oncology is super specific but have you have you ever came across um in your organization's um internships or even your classes why there's not as much emphasis on preventative care i think um i haven't personally had um like a an encounter with having a, a serious serious conversation about that i mean we know it's an issue and like personally i think that we obviously need to focus more on preventative care and allocate a lot more money i've read a lot of research articles i've seen you know um lectures but like i don't know that it's like being discussed in a way where action is going to be taken right so um i definitely right, I see your right. point and and i think that it, it needs to change because yeah like it applies to mental health as i gave you this example like it's horrible that we have to wait months to get seen and, mm-hmm, and start getting mm-hmm. help so we're basically on the right. verge of just you know killing ourselves so you know i think that that applies mm-hmm. to obviously why aren't we putting in money to maybe educate and i feel like that's one of the biggest um one of the biggest things you can do is learn how to educate our communities um and then from mm-hmm. there hopefully mm-hmm. see a decline in, in certain health disparities um but yeah i i think that preventative care is important and we should definitely put way more time into it than mm-hmm. we do but the us and our healthcare system <laughs> right i mean it's an absolute mess like i was trying to figure out um like just dental insurance and that's like a whole new thing because that's not part of preventive care it's like completely separate so is vision and like there's just so many different companies and when you try to schedule an appointment they're like no you have to call cover california and then you call cover california they're like no you have to call like the actual insurance company and it's just like a three-way call all the time just going back and forth and i'm like i don't understand why companies keep creating new other companies for insurance when they can't like people can't even get a straight answer you know and it just really sucks because there's so much time wasted and people don't really understand how difficult like the insurance and the healthcare system is because it's so confusing for me like HMO, PPO, why are there even two different types of insurances? Like, there should be, like, something so simple and, but yet people just don't want to, I feel like they don't want to put the energy in to make it more simple for people to understand, you know? And I think that touching really quick bases on that, now because you're bringing up all of that that side of medicine. Um, So I recently (laughs) uh, got appointed uh, the coordinator position for CAPSA, which is a I guess the the child of um, Kappa, which is California Physicians Alliance, and what they stand for, and it's a nonprofit that um, has uh, many efforts going for um, to support universal healthcare, which is what I truly, truly stand for. I think that that is what we should have is universal healthcare. That would make yeah. everything a lot easier, a lot more manageable, and it would cover literally everyone, no matter of race, status, gender, anything. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as 
working with CAPSA, like I have to deal with Covered California. I have to, I had to do a training to help enroll people who don't have health insurance. That's our first, you know, short-term goal is to get everyone covered, even if it's through Medi-Cal and, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever they can afford at uh, different programs, different um, companies. But yeah, it's a mess. It's learning about, I'm like, oh my gosh, literally they're making so much money and like all the profits that are, are going to companies that like, what? Like, I just, I can't, I, I can't bear to just be yes. like, I've been blind for this mm-hmm. long. Like, um, so yeah, I definitely suggest to anybody listening who agrees with, you know, Amy and I that universal healthcare needs to be a thing, especially at least in California. California, you can do it. <laughs> we, we need universal mm-hmm. healthcare. So yeah, yeah, honestly, I think, I think we can, we can manage that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so one last question that um, I think is just really interesting when it comes to women and doctors is sometimes doctors don't take women's issues or problems seriously. And I was just wondering if you've ever had an experience with that because I was talking to a friend. Ooh, I was talking to a friend and she was just talking about her um her numerous conversations with a um the endocrine system specialist the the special deals with hormones um she was talking Mm -hmm. about her weight gain her skin and all of this stuff all these things that were happening and the doctor the specialist was telling her you just need to lose weight and all of these problems will go away right and then within a span of like a few months um this friend gained like 50 pounds so the doctor kept saying, stop eating, like stop eating so much, work out more oh than you just lose weight. And my friend was doing like sports all the time, like five hours oh, worth wow. of like, you know, sporting, swimming, all that stuff. And it turned out she had like this, uh, what I mentioned earlier, PCOS. And that was like the underlying cause of all of her problems. So, oh, wow. Um, and I also saw this other post on Instagram where um, this woman was having something similar, a lot of weight gain, and she kept telling her doctor over and over again, like, I'm pretty sure something is wrong. And they ended up finding, like, some sort of benign tumor in her. Oh, wow. After she lost all the weight within the span of the year, they found, like, all these other complications. So just wondering if you've ever experienced that or you know of any stories and how can uh, medical students and physicians kind of move forward and really take you know people women's issues seriously and not just brush it off as you know just lose weight and you'll just you know your problems will go away yeah so I would love to share my story a personal experience so yeah I think it was when I was around 15 um i would start to continuously get really bad sharp pains like in the middle of the night or 2 a.m um on my right side uh, my lower uh right quadrant and then it would like travel up to my back and then it was like just pain all over right and so obviously i thought that was weird the first time it happened I was like okay maybe i, I turned right. around wrong i don't know but then um it continued on like it was every other day um then it would happen every several weeks but regardless you know i knew something was wrong so we went to the my physician multiple times um my mom took me um about three or four times right um with the same issues um every time it was just okay yeah you need to eat a little healthier stop eating greasy food um 
try to exercise a little mm-hmm. bit more. Try not to stress out. Okay, fine. Mind you, at 15, I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. Um, I'll do what the doctor says. And But looking back, it was right. like, why was that the only thing that was considered, right? Like, why wasn't it, like, there was any, there was nothing else that right. came to mind that could have been wrong. So it happened that I ended up having horrible pain one night, that it was worse than, like, I had ever felt before. My mom rushed me to the ED. And um, sure enough, they found that I had gallstones. <laughs> so I had had gallstones. Wow. I know. So for about a month and a oh half. Oh, my God. Almost two months. I had been suffering with this random pain that I didn't know what it was, that nothing would make it go away. Like, it was horrible. And then for them to right. tell me I had gallstones, I was like, well, lovely. So then it was just kind of, like, annoying, if anything, at that point, right? I'm 15. I'm like, bro. <laughs> like, I'm just so mad that, like, like what they the didn't heck? catch this. <laughs> like, why didn't you do any tests? Why, like, I'm out here telling I, – I think that they, at that point, not even because – I was like young, but because also maybe I was female. They're like, oh, she's exaggerating the excruciating pain. And it's like, no, I literally was like, on, I felt like I was on my deathbed. Like my mom right. didn't even know what to do because the pain was so bad. Like I would just cry for yeah. hours until I knocked out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah. That, and mm-hmm. it's so shitty that your friends went through that too, you know, like that they experienced like something was, they had an underlying issue, but it was just seen like, oh, here comes another female with some type of like, like, issue that right. can be fixed by this this and this and it's like that's not the answer to everything like clearly there was something else mm-hmm. wrong mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so i don't know if i can give really any advice at this point i feel like it just you just have to treat all your patients like they're human like they're your patient like you know what mm-hmm. i mean like it shouldn't there should be mm-hmm. no bias um so yeah i don't know <laughs> it's tough <laughs> no but um thank you for sharing your experience and i feel like there's a lot more other stories uh with that too like when um in high school i um had acne so i started uh, i took like birth control and uh, minocycline which is pretty common uh, when you have acne and then so when i went to college it still came up my dermatologist at um, sounds like state surprisingly not he was male and he was like oh, you know, just take birth control on minocycline. I was like, no, I can't because I already took those and it didn't work for me. So I know my body well enough that my body's not going to react well to it. And he was like, no, 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 no. Like, trust me, here's just like a different brand of birth control and here's minocycline. And literally, I was like, you know, six months in, didn't do. And he was like, hmm, that's so interesting. I was like, yeah, bro, like I told you it doesn't work for me. I just don't understand why you don't mm-hmm. didn't want to trust me. And then, you know, my acne is like pretty hormonal, and now it's it's going much better because I'm taking um Accutane again. But when I went to my uh, another dermatologist here in Fresno, she's female. She said the same thing. She was like, "Let's put you on birth control and minocycline." And I said, "No, because this is gonna be my third time taking it. Like, I know it doesn't work for me. So it's just like, I wish." Like, I totally get it how doctors are, like, you know, some people will look up symptoms or, like, procedures on WebMD, and they're like, no, doctor, I think I have this. That I totally understand, because, honestly, you can't really trust WebMD, but for someone who, like, who understands their body, like, I understand my body, I know what reacts well and what doesn't, I wish, like, doctors would kind of just 
take us a little bit more seriously like okay maybe i'll look at this maybe we'll run this test to see if you're allergic to you know xyz and see if you know this type of test um can determine like, if you have any allergies or anything but it's still just really like saddening that you know doctors really don't take a lot of patients seriously which i i, I get like y'all went to school y'all are hella smart I'm definitely not, I don't have that experience or anything, but it would be nice for some doctors to be like, okay, yeah, I will check this out. Maybe you do have this, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I'm, I feel terribly sorry <laughs> like, that you have had these experiences because <laughs> I know that would make me so upset. And I think that if anything, um, we need to, as patients too, though, take that, um, take that control of our own healthcare, right? Like we understand and a hundred percent, we right. respect doctors. They went to school, they put in the time and hours and we trust them, mm -hmm. but it's also, we know ourselves in our body and you, I think for your situation, you would have said like, no, like I'm not going to take this. I don't want this because it hasn't worked. Mm -hmm. What are they going to do? Force it down your mouth? Like, no, like you need to be like, can we try a different plan first, please? Because right. you're my doctor. I am paying you mm -hmm. to be my doctor. Can you please, you know, listen to me mm -hmm. and, my, and my concerns and, so I think mm -hmm. that patients need to, we trust our doctors. We want to have a good relationship with them. But, you know, sometimes, yeah, they right. lack that, um, showing that support that they are listening, that they're truly acknowledging mm -hmm. you and, and mm -hmm. your concerns and, and what you want your, your care plan to be. Mm -hmm. You have a say. You're the one that's going to go through this care plan, right? So um, if right. anything, that's something I strive for as a physician is I need you to be sure that you are doing this not just because they tell you, but because you feel this is what's truly going to help you to get better for whatever mm -hmm, reason or whatever mm -hmm. we're treating you for, or that you feel comfortable taking this medication or that you feel comfortable doing this, right? So I think that you made your point, and I'm really glad you did because that's something that I think people need to hear now that they're physicians or that they're current medical students, right. like they need to know, like, be cautious of that, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, no, I agree. So in like 10 years time, you'll be a physician. So I'll be like one of your patients, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's so long, but like, it's so like, it's so cool. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, yes, you're going to take my problem seriously. She's going gonna to support me. So um, everyone listening, Yesenia's going to be our doctor in a few short years. So she's going to take you seriously. She's gonna recommend the best care, so just keep an eye out. I'll be posting, you know, when she when she's officially officiated. Oh my goodness, I'm crying. <laughs> the faith, the faith you have in me. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> so, is there anything you want to add before we end our conversation? Um, just I want to say thank you to you, obviously, for taking the time to do this, just to chat with me. <laughs> um to hear my little yeah. spill my story um but if anything to closing remarks is you know to all my latinas my you know my women of color like we can do this um don't give up <laughs> you have a friend in all of us and <laughs> all the the strong latinas first generations um that went through college and, and are pursuing a higher education so thank you yes thank you for coming on and educating me and everyone else and I am I can't wait until you're a doctor 
I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, that does it for us today. Thank you again, Yesenia, for opening our eyes into what it is to be an underrepresented minority in the medical field and showing us really how we can support and just thank you overall. Of course, thank you so much for having me, Amy. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you again. Hope you have a wonderful night and keep studying. All right. Yeah, I know. I'm about to, I have to have another yeah. meeting. I'm so stressed out. <laughs> but anyways, it was nice chatting with you, Amy. <laughs> Take care. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Why my internet?